0: Karate in the garage. I'm Corey Cole. I'm Freddie Woth. Oh, we have a brand new month for you. Now, here's the thing. Did we decide it was going to be Feb, February buried or Feb, buried? <laughs> uh, Feb, buried. Feb, Febrew buried. So, <laughs> so buried as in the desert because Something's... every movie that we're covering this month takes place in the desert.
1: Yeah. And something is possibly buried in the desert in every one of these movies. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe something something gets
0: buried out there. Something. We're we're starting off with a movie that I think uh, is on that list of things that we talk about incessantly for the last five years, and we're finally getting around to actually covering it. It's a massive favorite of both of ours, and and I think it's one of those ones that we also feel like maybe heavily underseen.
1: Yeah, totally. And this movie has enough story for four movies.
0: Yep, <laughs> without a doubt. And it's got a cast of people that you're like, oh, wow, I can't believe that person's in it. And and some people are like in the infancy of their careers as far as uh, reaching that uh, A-level status. Yep, that's for damn sure. And you know when you got somebody like Mimi Rogers kind of totally bit playing it, and actually she's technically uncredited. Right, playing Ray's wife. Yeah, Fred Thompson is also uncredited. As is John P. Ryan. It's so crazy, right? I didn't, it was such a weird thing. But it's this is Roger Roger Donaldson. Now what now what was what was his? This is a follow up to what for him? Well, this
1: is dude. This came after. This came after like his first. Well, he did the Bounty, the Mel Gibson Anthony Hopkins uh, remake of Mutiny on the Bounty. uh, I think was kind of his first big thing. Then he did No Way Out. Then he did Cocktail. Right. And there was one more I think sandwiched in between Cocktail and then this 1992's White Sands. And this is a. This is written by Daniel Pine, who has a. This
0: guy has the most varied type of story that he's told. I mean, from his days on Miami Vice, hell, on Matt Houston before that, but he did several movies that we've spoken about a lot in this, like the, like we 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 when we mentioned uh, what was it, um, Unlawful Entry, we we're talking about recently, right? right. Mm-hmm. That kind of movie was something he did in Pacific Heights with Michael Keaton right. playing the psycho. He, and he's done some great stuff. And before this, for him, he did the hard way. So he's got, he's got pretty eclectic stories that he tells. And then a couple of years, well, like eight years after this, he does fracture, which is a, a fantastic psychological thriller.
1: Yeah. And it, this is Donaldson's follow up to Cadillac Man. It was that, was that film that was sandwiched in between Cocktail and, uh, and White All Sands. Right. Cadillac Man, which we have talked, we've actually talked about before. I think, uh, what did we do? Oh, I think we, during Bull Durham, we talked about uh, Cadillac Man briefly because of the Tim Robbins connection. Yep. But White Sands hit at a time
0: where, well, like we talked about during Out of, uh, I said out of Bounds, what the hell is
1: wrong with me? Out of sight, out of bounds, out of... No, no, off limits. <laughs> when, off limits with the, with Defoe and Heinz, right. With Defoe.
0: And that was very much a uh, similar part that he was known for at that point. Again, very early in his in his uh, leading man career. But this was a massive departure for him as far as the kind of part he was playing. And we got to see him perform in a way that we'd never seen him perform before almost in a romantic lead kind of thing, considering...
1: Yeah, considering what he had been, you know, what what we're used to seeing him sort of right. be like either the second, uh, you know. He's usually, I mean, honestly, this is maybe one of the first times ex- with the exception of Platoon that he actually played a nice guy or right. a good guy, if you will. Right. And
0: what's fun, too, about the movie is that you're getting a, a pre- Pulp Fiction,
1: Samuel Jackson by two years. Oh, dude, yeah, this is this is this is that uh, Jurassic Park, Sam Jackson. I mean, literally, when I was watching him, you know, when I when Meeker shows up, I'm like, oh fuck, dude, he escaped the island, (laughs) (laughs) right? (laughs) Hold on to your butts.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah, along with this is the the most recognizable name or face, I should say, is Mickey Rourke, and along with them is also Mary Elizabeth Mastertonio, and Mary Elizabeth. We, we texted about this <laughs> dude, man, I was she watching like it. So,
1: I mean, look, man, she is like, she's always smoking hot, beautiful, you know, yep. she's got this intelligence that even makes her even, you know, sexier, but you know, she's like the kind of, she is someone I m- desperately miss in movies. I don't, you know, yeah. um, yeah. I, I wish there was a world where we got a lot more of, uh, Mary but she's great in this, yep. uh, Rourke is, you know, and Rourke, dude, this is Rourke still looks like Rourke. This is handsome. This all get out Mickey Rourke, you know, this is before he started, you know, face planting and fucking right. cheekbone implanting and whatever else he was doing. Uh, you know, he still looks like Mickey Rourke. It looks like a million bucks, right? Right. Right. One of my most
0: favorite things about the movie when it came out is the the one sheet or the poster for it tells you nothing about the movie, which was nope. fantastic. And that was also back when we weren't getting those Photoshop floating head posters. Right, exactly. Let's look at the, the credit block on this. You, were, you didn't know who was in this movie. To me, that's intriguing. I mean, I don't need to see who's in the movie to be interested in it. I love the fact that, all right, why is this guy running in the desert with his briefcase? And why is a helicopter chasing him?
1: Yeah. And how, you know what's funny is that guy on the briefcase doesn't have one line in this movie. <laughs> I mean, he literally, he's, he's Kevin Costner in the big chill. He gets big chilled himself. Yes, he chills himself, or does he? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, dude, this cast is loaded. I mean, and, and this poster is great, dude. I lo- I've i always loved yep. this poster because you really do not know what's going on. It's like, no, you know, but I knew from seeing the poster, look, you could have taken the names off and I've been, yeah, I'm watching this. Yep, yep. Because that's the thing that's
0: so cool about it. it. You didn't need to see this. Uh, now, now, now when, I think when it hit home video, I think when it hit VHS, they changed it. Yeah, I think the, the laser disc is, is the same, but I think with the VHS, they changed it because, well, you, you're trying to rent to people and <laughs> you look at that, you're like, what the hell is this? Right. You got to put yeah. some actors' faces on it, on the box. You got to get them to pick up the box to begin with, to look at the back to see who's in it. But you got to give them that face value, the, the the face up front to give them a, a reason to watch it. Now, we're not that far. I mean, we're like about, what, six years after Color of Money, right? Uh yeah totally and just and just a handful of years after the abyss so Mary Elizabeth in this here's the thing I had no idea she was in the movie when I first saw it in the theater and when she showed up I'm like oh yeah okay (laughs) I'm good I'm good now I didn't really know Sam Jackson that well at this point because this is only ninety two right he was still stacks from Goodfellas right (laughs) and smaller parts with with in spikes movies but we weren't Gator. Yeah, yeah. We haven't seen him like this yet,
1: right? So he got a pretty juicy part. Yeah, he's got a great part in this. And, and, and dude, he's doing... I, I, I wanted more of this actor when I saw this movie, I was like, fuck, this guy's fucking great. Right. You know, and I'd seen him in other small bits here and there. And then, you know, and he, I think this is the same year or maybe is this true romance is 93 or 93? 93, 93. Yeah. Yeah. so the next year we get a little bit of him in, you know, true romance and he kept popping up and then suddenly, you know, he exploded in Pulp Fiction, but dude, he's so good in this and his part yep. is so much fun. Yep. Let's talk real quick about the one thing I always forget—he's in this movie until I'm watching it, and then I'm like, "God damn you, Emmett Walsh!" Uh, yep. As Bert, the coroner.
0: What a prick! He wants to shortcut everything. He's like, he feels he feels inconvenience. His job inconveniences his life, and he he just wants to yeah. he wants to get back to
1: living and living his life and being paid not to do anything. Yeah, but he's and he's playing it perfect because he's crusty oh, yeah. and he's, you know, you, you like him just in spite of his, you know, incessant complaining about everything and wanting to short shrift at all. Right. His his running commentary on Defoe's hat still makes me laugh every time I watch the damn thing. Yeah. And I like the fact that they kind of carry that joke all the way through because I think Mickey Rourke makes a comment about his hat. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, maybe even Mary Elizabeth makes a joke about his hat. I, what I love about this movie is there's so many twists and turns and they do yeah. a really good job of like, it's, you know, the shell game, you know, you don't know who has the money, where, who had the money, where the money's going, who's going to end up with the money. Uh, and it's really, I mean, I remember a friend of mine saying, Oh, this movie's too confusing. I, I, oh. I just, I don't know that that for this type of movie, th- there is no too confusing for me. And, uh, I don't, and I feel like the movie, benefit. I mean, this is exactly what it yeah. should be. It's, yeah. this is, this is neo-noir. It's funny. Yeah. Like, you know, after doing that whole month of noir, it's like, now you kind of watch things with new eyes, right? Like you're like, right. oh yeah, this is totally neo-noir. <laughs> right. This is this classic setup. Right. And, we, uh, and then we
0: had that, we had that twice last month with more and more and more where, yeah, we, totally. where we got a, a whole bunch of that. One of the things that helps sell that whole neo-noir vibe is the score. Oh yeah, and the score is from Patrick O'Hearn, who's a bass player for Missing Persons, among other things. Also played with with Andy Taylor during his solo days, and Patrick had made a, a move into new age composition. So he, he was part of that new age movement. But with this man, everything he does just fits perfectly. It's it's synth heavy, of course, but it's not like that new age stuff that you know from his solo work it's a fantastic score that just works impeccably with the movie. And every, like I said, every little twist and turn he is very, you know, when you used to watch like Lethal Weapon, like I'll, example, Lethal Weapon 2, when Roger Murtaugh's on the toilet, right? With a bomb underneath his ass. Right. Where there, that one moment where he and Riggs have their quiet moment where they just, you know, speak to each other through their eyes. And then that David Sanborn sax comes in out of nowhere, just to kind of like, just sell the friendship and brotherhood that the two of them have. That's what Patrick O'Hearn does. It's very, fits the movie. It's not overpowering. It's not like, hey, look at me, this twist moment or whatever, or this dramatic moment that's happening. It's very much subtle, but, but so poetic and, and fits in a moment so perfectly.
1: Yeah. I I mean, every, like all the notes are right in this movie. I mean, you know, I feel like, uh, this is a movie that more more people should totally see. And I would love to see this on a big screen again. I mean, I saw at the time this movie came out, dude, for me, the big draw was Mickey Rourke. I mean, I, again, it's funny because this is a few years after Angel Heart. and, And I remember when we talked with Derek and when we did, when we covered Angel Heart, dude, I saw, I would drive fucking wherever to go see a Mickey. I would, I would drive an hour to go see a Mickey Rourke movie. Right. And and that's what brought me in. And I love Defoe, too. But, I mean, really, I was like, yeah, Mickey Rourke. I'm, I'm seeing this movie. But, I mean, watching it now, not unlike uh, what we were talking about last week with um, uh, G.I. Jane, like all of the, sort of the usual suspect character actors, except for the character actors in this are so good, dude. Like, they're, they're yeah. so... And they're so... I mean, you get Jimmy Rebhorn as uh, Agent Flynn. I mean, Maureen uh, Maura Tierney shows up, dude. She's so young in this. I don't, I hardly even recognize her. She's such Um, a baby. (laughs) I I, dude. I forget it's her every fucking time. I'm like, who in the hell is Nori? And then I, you know, I'm like, Oh, it's Maura Tierney. Beth Grant shows up as Roz, you know, in my favorite Miguel Sandoval, (laughs) who's actually really actually pretty good. This is probably (laughs) my favorite thing that he's in and he's uh, Meeker's, you know, a knowing sidekick. I feel like he's yeah. not real he's not really in on it. He doesn't really he's just like, yeah, he's my partner, but I don't he's I mean, he's not I don't, in think, on it, right? I don't yeah. think I don't think he's because I don't think he sends, he's in on it. No, because he sends him off on some bullshit errand. No, oh, don't worry about Deputy Ray, you know. I like how yeah. they refer to him as Deputy Ray. It's great. Yeah. I, I think I I think Sandoval's part
0: really is it's almost like uh yeah, meek is probably to protect him. Like, yes. And also totally. to keep
1: him out of his hair at the same time. Right. Like, okay, yes, go when do he gets that. the money, he doesn't want to have to f- split it with Sandoval. Right. Exactly. Also, it's, you know, right. If you don't, if you, hey, look, man, he, know, he didn't know anything. And if you don't know anything, you can always claim you didn't know anything really? and not perjure yourself in court.
0: <laughs> There's so much about the movie that, uh, again, I hadn't seen it in quite a bit of time. I obviously didn't see it as recent as you, even if you're talking about only three and a half, four years ago.
1: I watched it during COVID because, you know, it's kind of a, you know, it's one of those, it's a movie I, I do love to watch this movie. I've seen it a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it never gets old. I mean, it's shot well. Dude, the scenes between Defoe and Master Antonio are so good, dude. Like when she's explaining how she met Gorman Lennox. I mean, yep. I, you know, dude, it's just, it's that million dollar smile of hers and that and those fat fucking little glint in her eyes. I mean, and, and look, the one thing I would, you know, it's funny because the the way the actors are shot. I mean, yeah. they all should buy this fucking DP a car for for the way that they're all photographed. You know what I mean? I mean, yep. There's not a bad angle of any of the three. Peter Menzies, right? Like, right. The guy certainly knows what he's doing, but I don't. There's something about the the way he shot the three. And it's funny because the, the way he shoots Mickey as opposed to Defoe in their singles and the, and then the, in the shots when they're together, you really sort of, and you do sort of see the, uh, their, their sort of brotherhood sort of like when he, when Rourke chases, uh, two FBI, when, um, when Flynn and his partner take, uh, Ray and they're going to run him back to it and, and Mickey steals her horse trail, her truck and her horse right. trailer to right. chase him. That's such a good little sequence, right? Because up until that moment, you're not really sure what Mickey really thinks about Ray. Like, right. you know, cause there's all that exposition. I mean, they do a really nice job of creating that brotherhood and, and Menzies shoots the shit out of this movie, dude. I mean, it ain't easy to shoot a desert. <laughs> no. This, and actually,
0: I believe this is his first feature. Is it? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. And it, but he did some big-ass movies. Um, for, for Roger, he'd come back a couple of years later into The Getaway, did Die Hard with a Vengeance for McTiernan, yep. Hard Rain. Oh, yeah, Shooter.
1: Bless the Child, which we almost did for Double Mimi Do It. Right. <laughs> Time to Kill for Schumacher. Yeah, I mean, he's done some big movies. Yeah, definitely. And
0: he makes everybody look amazing in it. Even the locations just feel, I I get the vibe what's going on. Obviously, the wonderful production design, the movie, and uh, obviously some bold choices on the costume side, right? Oh, (laughs) yeah, dude. Especially for Deputy Ray. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which is perfect because Deputy Ray has no idea who this guy is, who he's impersonating, and how he would dress when he has his meanings. Also, they do
1: a great job of capturing New Mexico, you know what oh, I mean? yeah, yeah. Without falling into the, you know, because there's a fine line, right? Like, uh, there's, there's what's real, and then there's what people expect to be real because that's what we see when people right. do New Mexico. Right. You know, they kind of overdo it. And but I think everything, I mean, the rodeo and I love that little rodeo sequence too, because it it's feels oh, yeah. like a real rodeo. It, it's not I agree. it's not overdone. Cause you know, I've been to a lot of rodeos as a kid and a lot of them are like that, man. They're not, you know, it's not like the, you know, hey, welcome to Las Vegas. <laughs> and here's <laughs> right. the you know. Right. It, it, it's grounded nicely into a reality. And it's funny because the plot never feels too big for what's going on. I mean, it's just got it's just got such a this movie's pulpy as hell, man. Right, you know. To answer back to the idea that this
0: is a confusing movie, maybe I first watch because there's a lot going on. But what's great is if you want to see it's convoluted. Okay, I'll just say that it's just intricate enough to where when you have repeat viewings of it. You get reminded as they're happening, moments as they're happening, yes. and, you're not, and, and you don't feel like you're always one step ahead, even though you've seen it before. And that's how right. I felt watching it again. No, totally. Yeah. That's rare for a movie that has the kind of storytelling that this movie has. Usually with a, when you watch a movie that has, you know, several moments where they're kind of twisted and turning there's some there's some cue before that happens so you remember oh yeah that that part hasn't happened yet now I remember that but there's so much about it with the, the only one exception I have over it that I I never forget to talk to more about the the chemistry between Defoe and Mary and Mary Elizabeth when he gets introduced to her
1: oh yeah right sure. away
0: she just kind of just plays it
1: up like well I know what Bob looks like and you're not Bob <laughs> right. Like, yeah. you know, she could have totally blown him out of the line, but I, they do a nice, you know, she, she's got a good, you know, it's a good poker face. And, right. uh, and there's also, you know, you're always like, is she going to, is she going to blow his cover? Or right. just roar right. No. And then the whole time you're also thinking, yeah, Gorman knows that that's not Bob, but he doesn't care because he likes Bob. Right. I think he like you know. It's funny you watch it, and it's, it's in that first moment where uh, he shows up and he, he meets him in the bar, and and uh, Mickey's having the conversation with the bartender, and he's like, yeah, hey, the whole artist thing. And Bob, right. Bob buys those two pictures, or uh, Deputy Ray buys the two pictures, and then uh, he throws him in the trash can, and Rick scolds him, and then grabs him and is like come on we're gonna be like and just leaves him there anyway and there's just there's quite a, dude this movie has got quite a lot it's got a really good sense of humor it's there's a lot of dark comedy in this movie right. but it works because they're i mean they're just they're just letting it they're they're playing it straight right you know they're not hitting these jokes they're not trying to hit the jokes i feel this movie has it knows what it is it it and it doesn't vary from that, it you know it's I, I've, you know there's reviews saying ah oh, it's it's highly stylized but you know totally implausible incoherent, and coherent and da 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 and I'm just like are you watching the same movie right. that I'm watching or did you just watch it once <laughs> and that you know you wrote a couple words because I mean to right. me like this is a movie like again I've seen it probably since 1992 I've probably watched it I don't know. At least one, maybe I've seen it probably every couple years for 20 plus, 30 plus years. So, yeah. you know, I'm I'm in the 15, I've probably seen it 15 times over those, that time. Yeah, I'm probably close to like
0: nine, 10 times, somewhere around there.
1: Cause you know, like when you were young, like this is the kind of movie, dude. Like you used to rent, and you'd watch it a couple times over a weekend before you take it back, right? Like you'd watch then you want your buddy to say, "Hey, no, you go, come on over, dudes. We're gonna watch White right. Sands right. or whatever." And you drink a lot of beer and smoke some weed, and you know, White Sands is on, and maybe you're not paying total attention, but you're watching it, <laughs> and you're like, "What the fuck?" That's how I would guess it wouldn't make sense to somebody. <laughs> like, dude, I right. went to a party, and no, no, it wasn't a party, but we were hanging at my buddy's house, and we got real high, and we watched the Mickey Rourke movie, and I know what the fuck was going on is that what happened to you guys is that is that what happened is that what happened (laughs) back when weed was uh, such a different thing wasn't it you know what's crazy in that white sands poster at first glance when you look at it you don't really notice the face at the top right like you just see a mountain range but then when you look again you're like holy shit dude that's a face but whose face is that yeah. That's not Bob's face. And you're no. kind of like, is that Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio's face? I don't right. know. Cause nope. you, I mean, this poster has got a lot going. It's a really cool poster, man. I kind yeah. of, now i now, now I keep looking at it and I kind of wish I had it framed in my office. It is one of those movies for sure that I find
0: that if you mention it to people, the title, I mean, while it fits when you've seen the movie and recognize the title works, it's not a selling point for no. a new viewer. And that can be a drag. So, when you have a movie poster that says White Sands on it with nobody's recognizable face on it. Right. Yeah. That's why your movie doesn't make its production well, budget back.
1: Yeah. I think that's kind of what, you know, With the marketing was bad on this movie. And yeah. also, I think maybe Mickey Rourke, you know, Mickey Rourke's stock was crashing at that point, or he kind of had a string of. I see. Don't, if I, I will never say that Mickey Rourke had a string of bad movies during that period. I just think he had a string of unsuccessful movies because. Right they just weren't marketed well or people just didn't get what Mickey was doing whatever. I mean, would I say he's made a bunch of bad movies lately? Oh yes. But, but at this point he was still making really fun, cool movies. Don't you think that white sands kind of, you're like, so if you said, Hey dude, come on, have you seen white sands? I would be like, if it kind of sounds like a military movie, right? Cause the first thing yep. you think of is, Oh yeah. White sands. Like a but, desert. exactly but not but not not an american desert right or there's some sort of you know some sort of testing going on there or whatever it is right it it, you know it doesn't strike you as you know what it is but this is this is like desert noir man or you know and there's a there's a lot of it It, it, but i i I think this movie is not only underrated and underseen but it's misunderstood oh yeah (laughs) yeah i i'cause I think the title's misleading. the poster was while cool it didn't it wasn't selling the movie right it wasn't right. it wasn't like you know, like it wasn't pushing you to like, oh hey, this is you know got people you know and it's weird it, yeah. again it, it's you know we i feel like I feel like we've done we it, we kind of always sort of have gravitated to movies. Like when we cover things like this, these are movies that people may have seen or maybe they heard of, but they always like, well, I always heard it wasn't very good.
0: <laughs> well, right? or you're wrong. Well, it's something else too that we said, because we talked about this and I'm not, I'm only making the comparison because of who distributed both movies. But we talked about this during... Fair Game. Yeah, Fair Game. So Fair Game, Morgan Creek again, to uh, partially with Morgan Creek, but still Warner Brothers... That movie had people talking about it, but nobody went to see it. Not that it was good or anything like that. But Warner Brothers this window of time, unless it was Lethal Weapon yep. or some something in those veins, they were not given the time of day for the movie. This movie should have had a lot more behind it. And honestly, as cool as the one sheet is, if you're not going to promote the movie and market it properly, then at least put the faces of the people that are in the damn movie up there. So, you, so you know who's in it? Yeah. Is it is it intriguing? I find that the poster works better. Knowing I, after I've seen the movie, that I, I look at it without it, am I going objectively? I couldn't. I wouldn't be able to like uh, say I want to see that movie. But it would believe it or not for me. Why I saw it, I wasn't paying. I didn't. I didn't know anybody that was in it until I watched Siskel and Ebert, and then I'm like, oh, well now I got to see it not because of the necessarily liked it, but because of who was in it.
1: But I, cause right. I didn't know before that. Cause I'm sure neither one of them liked this. This doesn't seem like a movie. <laughs> this seems like the kind of movie <laughs> that they both shit on. I mean, I, I would have to look it up, but uh, just if I was to guess, that's what I would say. I, I can't believe this movie only it was only a $22 million movie, but even be wor- even harder to believe than that is that it only made $9 million. I mean, what did they release it in? Like, you know, 500 theaters or something. I mean, <laughs> It's really shocking, um, you know, how poor the box office was. I was trying to figure out what was released, what 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 else was released, you know, on the, on the day that this was le- this was this is April, so this is right. But you know, ramping up, this is going into summer. I don't know, man. It's weird. I, I guess I'd have to look and see what other movies were released <laughs> on April twenty fourth, nineteen eighty two. But I mean, this, you know, it just seems like a movie that Warner Bros. just kind of threw away, right? Yeah, like they're like, eh, you know, we'll fix it somewhere. It's so weird too, because like Donaldson was a pretty, you know, pretty hot director at that point. I mean, No Way Out is a really, I mean, I feel like it did decent box office. It was it was well received. Cocktail maybe it wasn't that, you know, maybe critics didn't love it, but it but people went and saw it. It fucking made one hundred and fifty million dollars. Cadillac Man you know, Cadillac Man was what it was. It was, it was him coming back down and sort of making a, you know, instead of making a big studio movie, he was doing the one for me kind of thing. Right. And maybe he, I don't know, was White Sands. I don't know. Was White Sands another like, okay, I just made my movie. Now I got to make White Sands. It doesn't feel like that to me, but I mean, I kind of feel like that's how the studio treated it. Right. When I'm watching it, I feel like, dude, you know, it's a top for for the type of movie it is, and for the time it came out. I can't think of a lot of movies that were better than this. There, so there
0: is a rundown for that episode, and so it was dated four twenty two ninety two, where they cover Akira, Delicatessen, and White Sands. But they don't break down uh, on YouTube anyway how they felt about it. But the episode for where the review is there. So that's I, I obviously saw that because right. I want, unfortunately they did they did not have neither one of them had a written review for it so I wasn't able to track that down but I'll put it in the show notes so you guys can check it out
1: yeah that's and that's weird to me that like you know there wouldn't be a written review for this movie like right. in the Chicago Sun Times or the Chicago Tribune
0: but what happened real often with uh, like one of like Roger or or Gene's assistants would transcribe what they talked about and then just kind of. Right. make an amalgam of it and kind of fill in the blanks
1: and make it Paraphrase. more... Paraphrase. Right, here, exactly. Here's a Reader's Digest version of, <laughs> right. of, the, of uh, you know, the Roger's review. Exactly. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird thing, man. Um, another thing that this movie uh, really does well... I mean, the score, like we talked about earlier, this, the score really is, is, is pretty phenomenal for this type of movie. Uh, but one of the other things that this movie does really well... Is it kind of gives equal time to the th- once we get into the trio, they're all kind of. It's funny. It, it's it's divided up evenly, right? Like I feel like you're not. It, it, is it, I guess Defoe is the lead. Uh, maybe Rourke was the draw at the time, and maybe. you know. And, and and what I what I like about Mary Elizabeth Mastronian in this movie, and I like the, what I like that Donaldson did, is that she's not just window dressing. She's a very right. integral part of the script. Right when she explains her, uh, you know how she met Lennox, and and again it's funny because you know you, you're like when she said I was a trust fund kid, I was bored, there's this, I was that, you you don't have any problem buying it. You're like oh right. yeah, of course that totally makes sense. Again, you know the the characters are well written, I think, and I think they're I think that they're pretty fleshed out for as fast as everything because this movie moves too, man. It's not slow. I mean, it's only it's an hour and forty minutes, and um, it gets right to it. And it doesn't lag. And I don't feel like there's ever a point where I'm like, man, I just wish this would get over with. Right. You know, or I mean, if, if, if anything, I was like, man, I, you know, I did, I kind of don't ever want it to be over when I'm watching it. Oh yeah. I agree. And that end dude with, you know, I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it, who might want to actually watch it. Cause it is on prime. <laughs> yes. And it's a good transfer too. Yeah. It's a really good transfer. It looks better than my DVD. Them. again i think this is a movie that probably doesn't have a real good blu-ray i, I no, feel like if it, there is one it it's deserves like an import one. Yeah, yeah absolutely deserves one this is the kind of thing i would hope shout factory would like you know shout factory has been surprisingly picking up some cool things lately this would All be right. a good uh, this would be a fun title uh, i'm sure there's some i'm sure there's some great stories that roger donaldson maybe could oh, share yeah. this about, about filming this thing but, uh, yeah, man, I mean, I'm glad we finally got around to doing this movie. Oh, yeah. Because we we talked about it a lot. You know, it comes up in conversation. <laughs> you know, I came up, you know, we, it, like every time we talk about any of these actors, we're always like, yeah, you know, White Sands, blah, blah, You know, right. so, you know, finally, here it is. What's funny is there's not a whole lot of trivia for
0: us. So I was kind of like digging through it after I watched the movie again. But there's a funny moment in there where Rourke's character... Starts lights up a cigarette and Defoe says to him, "Hey, I thought you stopped smoking." Well, in real life, and in in preparing for him starting his boxing career, Rourke had stopped smoking, and he gave in while they were making the movie. (laughs) So when that moment happens, it's totally ad libbed. Like Defoe says, "I thought you quit smoking." It was it was. It wasn't. It wasn't Bob. It talking. was Willem sending to Mickey. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty great.
1: That's good. That is great. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's funny, man. Uh, that is definitely a good. That that that's definitely a fun piece of trivia. There's also some great lines. My favorite line in this whole movie is when uh, Gorman says to uh, Lane, four plays over Lane, time to fuck. <laughs> right? <laughs> because it's funny with you because I've heard people, people say that shit all the time. That's a term people say. You know, I've heard people in the, you know, I've worked with, and they're all like, yep, yeah, this shit. Everybody now says, man, this thing fucks. Yep. It's, it's become a common. I'm like, Dave, Mickey Rourke was fucking saying that shit fucking 30 years ago. Yep. Yep. Time to fuck. It's funny about the trivia, because I think
0: it's the one, like next to last thing he did before he really kind of took a break from acting and just jumped right into the ring and started boxing. Because um, he was doing it here and there, but I think he did it a little more prominently after this or the year after, I think.
1: Right. And I think, didn't I mean, didn't he shoot this right after he did, uh, I think this came right after um, Homeboy. Right, the uh, the boxing flick that he made with him and Walken, it was right. it was it was definitely. I guess it was his follow up to uh, Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. Right. So this is the third Mickey Rourke movie we've covered. Third, so right? Angel Heart, this. Johnny Handsome, yeah. and Johnny Handsome. That's it. Yeah. yeah, that's the three. So this, yeah. yeah, this is the third one. But yeah, he had done he'd done Homeboy, you know, which was a boxing movie, which I think is about the time he really started. Uh, taking that boxing career seriously. So yeah, that was in 88. So this is four years after his boxing career. And, you know, I think his, his screen time was pretty sporadic. Like yeah, he showed up here and there, but you know, he had that period, you know, in the mid eighties, you know, starting with diner where he's just like, you know, fucking two movies a year. And then suddenly you get one every other year and then, yeah, then he's a boxer. (laughs) Then he shows up and then he goes on a tear again, like in the late nineties and just starts making all these crazy movies. I mean, honestly, to me, I feel like this might've been his last studio, his big, last big studio movie for a while. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. That's why like, right. And when he came back for a man on fire, that was a surprise to see him in that he hadn't been around so long as far as doing anything remotely big. You know, I mean, obviously he plays, he's more of a background guy, but he's an integral part of that story, but more kind of doing a favor for somebody but when really the favor is being done for him because he'd been away for so long. Yeah. But he's great in this because he's, everything that we talked about during Angel Heart and Johnny Handsome, he's that guy. He's that Mickey Rourke, that Pope of Greenwich Village Mickey Rourke where he's just kind of like, yeah, it's been 10 years, but fucked all that shit. Here I am. Yep, and he's and he plays that part perfectly. By the way, I you talk about scenes that he has. I don't recall the phrase "CI fucking A" being used a lot before this, but I feel like that it's been done that way. Oh yeah, dozens of times since this movie. And like when he, so when he reveals that again, I'm not telling you anything you can't read on uh, the summary on on Prime. When you have that moment where it's revealed to reveal to Bob to, to Defoe. The way he says it, it's just kind of like it's hysterical, but because you realize that this might be the first time this has ever been said
1: in a movie, (laughs) and it's been said many, many times since then. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's funny because uh, Mickey is so low key, cool. I mean, that's his thing, right? Like he's almost he's one of those actors who, to me, he's like the he's like one of the he's he's like one of the best ever whisper actors. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Right? Like so, you you got to sort of. Be very quiet I always find myself sort of leaning in toward the TV when he's talking like right like I'm going to be able to hear him better <laughs> but but he does that there's a gr- the great scene that he always has those moments and the moment in this that I'm just like fuck yeah this is this is why Mickey Rourke is cool is that scene with Fred Dalton Thompson and John P. Ryan when he takes Defoe out to make the deal right he's just ready to walk away and he's fucking lighting those guys up yeah but you know, it occurred to me this time watching the movie, and I meant to say this earlier. I wanted, to, but I wanted to throw it out there. I feel like everybody is in on this, fucking... except for Deputy Ray. Watching it this time, I feel like Mickey Rourke when he takes—he's in cahoots with Dalton Thompson and fucking John Ryan. Right. Like it's like everybody. I don't know why, because we we met Deprey Ray when we met him, but now I almost feel like everybody's in on it. And I'm like, why am I feeling this way watching this movie this time? What is, what is different about it this time? Right, because 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 it, it always comes across as this that Bob's you know flying by the seat of his pants
0: pretending to be this guy that he's not, right? And he's he's waiting to run into somebody that knows what the real Bob looks like, right. and he's going to get caught. And so in that moment, yeah, I agree with that. I could, I could I could see all three of those guys playing. Who they think is the real Bob.
1: Right. In that
0: situation. Yeah. Yeah, I agree.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's again, it's one of it. And I think to me, that's what makes a movie great is when you can sort of, you know, after seeing, even after seeing it 15 times, just suddenly go, wow, you know what? Fuck, dude. I feel like everybody's fucking with him. Right. Like they, they all know each other. And this is all just a bit, you know, it's a big fuck you, Ray Dalzell. <laughs> Right,
0: it goes beyond just being a. You get the vibes that it's not a neo noir kind of thing, but but a con caper kind of thing. Yeah, where it totally. Where it feels less about you know uh, a weapon sales and or whatever the hell that we haven't figured out what's going on. It's yeah. definitely one of my favorite movies coming from the standpoint of we only know what our lead knows. Our the right. guy we're following around. We 100%. only know when he knows, and it's probably one of the best examples. Uh, man, if you want to write a screenplay or write a story about that revolving something like that. To, 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 here, here's your role model right here. This is go to this one, go to white sands and that'll be the perfect example of telling that kind of story.
1: Yeah, no, no, hundred percent. I mean the thing again, like looking at the tagline for this movie, it's, it, I never actually read it before. And I'm like, this is the worst tagline ever. I'm going to read it right now. Ray Dulzal is a small town lawman up against big time corruption, all in the name of a dead man. Then again, Ray's always been the never-say-die type. That is fucking terrible. <laughs> First of all, it's way too fucking long. And second of all, it sucks. <laughs> right? Does it right. not? Am I wrong? I never read that before, ever.
0: No. Until just no, now. Honest, and honestly, that doesn't sound a lick like Deputy Ray. No, not one it bit. Doesn't, it doesn't even sound anything like what, what we see from him in the entire movie.
1: The other tagline, this one's way better. Uh, The most dangerous way to solve a murder is become the victim. That is the one I remember, like being on, maybe being on the poster, or I think they maybe even say it in one of the trailers. But that other tagline, dude, I'm like, was that ever on a poster? Cause I would have (laughs) been like, I'm not seeing this. Sounds stupid. (laughs) It does sound dumb. I would have walked away 32 years ago and been like, no, I was all in until I saw that tagline. Would have, be, you would have been one of your friends saying, ah, I heard it wasn't very good. <laughs> I heard it wasn't very good, man. Yeah, I mean, the poster and that terrible tagline, I just couldn't do it. But, you know, thankfully I did see it and, you know, I've seen it many times since. Yeah, man. I, and Roger Donaldson made a couple, I mean, dude, he, this his follow-up to this, his reward for White Sands, or maybe it wasn't a reward, <laughs> depending on how you look at it, was he did, his next film was The Getaway, the remake of The Getaway. right. Which we just talked about. Yeah. Which we, which isn't worth talking about other than saying, yeah. was this... The, now, was he rewarded for White Sands or punished for White Sands? I'm not sure. Here's the thing that's super funny about, about his movies. Going
0: down the list of feature films that he's done, we have either covered or talked about one, oh, two, yeah. three, four, five, six, seven of these in the last
1: year. Yeah. I mean, yeah. dude, Bounty, No Way Out... Cadillac Man, The Getaway, Species, I think we've talked about. We talked about Dante's
0: Peak Dante's when we were talking Peak. about Volcano and Dante's Peak. We were talking about that during that time. Yep.
1: I think we talked about, I think we mentioned 13 days in we did. one of our JFK tirades. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I want to say, though, like when when we did that, I think 13 days, we might have, it might have come up when we were talking about, you know what? It didn't end up staying in the episode, but we talked about it during uh,
1: Bull Durham. Yes. There you go. Right. Yeah. It was, I knew it was a was when we were talking about Costner. So yeah, yeah, there you go. But man, Roger, I mean, Roger Donaldson, I mean, and he's still making movies now, I think, I mean, his last film, his last was McLaren in 2017, but I, you know, I think, you know, he's always got things in development. I think he maybe shoots, you know, I think he's a guy who maybe shoots pilots and stuff now, but he, you know, again, he's had a long distinguished career and, he, and I got to say, I like, I like many of his movies and I like more of them than I don't like. Right. Out of his recent stuff, I really do, I, I would recommend The November Man. I mean, it, I, yeah, I, I yeah, thought dude, it was, a, yeah. it's good flick, yeah. Yeah. dude. Yeah, Pierce is fantastic in it, too. Yeah, and it's, you know, it, again, the pacing. It, November Man is a lot like White Sands as far as, like, for me, like, not like the plot or anything, but just, it's one of those movies I had no expectations to see, but I liked the cast. And then I saw the movie, and I was like, damn, that was a good movie. Yeah.
0: There you go. There you have it. Well there you go. That's this is how we're starting off our our uh Feb buried. February, Burberry buried. Movies in the desert. There you go. That's what it Yeah. So that's what it translates to. Yeah. So we got three more of these. They're all picked. Thankfully all of them, right? All of them yeah. are uh-huh. are viewable on streaming yeah. platforms right now. So that's good. That's the first time in months that has been the yeah, case, yeah. We'll see
1: how it goes by the end of February, but that's the plan,
0: <laughs> and we're sticking to it. We got an extra day this month, so we'll, yeah, that should work out pretty good.
1: Yeah, it'd be great! All
0: right. Cool, there you go. All right, so you want to follow the show on the socials, you can follow us at Karate Pod on Twitter, Insta, and Letterboxd. If you want to follow Corey on letterbox it's Corey Culp, and on Instagram is Culprit97. And if you want to follow some other socials and other linkage, you can look at the bottom of our episode show notes under Karate in the Garage linkage, and you'll find everything there.
1: If you'd like to follow me on Instagram, I'm at Rock and Roll at 33. If you'd like to follow me on Letterboxd, I'm at Tom Cody on Letterboxd. If you'd like to follow me at Blue Sky, it's the real John Ladd at Blue Sky.